I can have a glass of water after. And we're going to turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 12. We've embarked on a series, and we started last week, entitled, What Happens When Jesus Comes? Last week, we looked at a wonderful story about what happens when Jesus comes to dinner, and um, how he changed Levi's life around. He followed him. And Jesus preached the gospel to those accused, who accused him of uh, um, being friends with sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus said to them, I haven't come for the well, I've come for the unwell. And Jesus said, um, he's come as a doctor to heal those who are sick. And a wonderful presentation in that passage of the gospel of the Lord Jesus that gives us such great hope within our lives. And so today, let's look at what happens when Jesus comes to a wedding that he was invited to. Now one of my joys as being a pastor over the years is doing weddings. And I must say I love doing weddings. It was one of those absolute joys. And God placed us in a church in South Africa. Well, the last two churches there that we led. The last one, we had so many young singles. And of course, they want to get married. And so in the beginning when I was there, we did so many weddings. And then as our team grew there, the other pastors on my team started to do weddings. And it was always such a grand and a great occasion. When we did weddings and when we were invited afterwards to go to the celebration times. And um, I think it is a place where Jesus dwells. Last week we asked the question, where can you find Jesus? And the answer was, just look for a group of sinners and you'll find Jesus. He loved to be amongst people who did not believe because there he fulfilled his mission and his message. And what I've loved about this church is that so many of you, you know, find yourself in the midst of people who do not know Jesus, unbelievers, people who are sinners. And we need to find ourselves there often. And one of my great delights is just to be amongst people who believe differently from me, whose lifestyles are very different from me. And um, I believe that that is where we can find Jesus. If you've struggled to find Jesus, my friends, if you look, you'll find him where people are. That's where Jesus is. And um, again on this occasion, we see that Jesus, even before his ministry started, his public ministry, he started to be invited to these affairs. He was invited to Matthew or Levi's home. And on this occasion, we see that Jesus is invited to a wedding. 
And in some way or form, it looks like when you read the scripture that it was a wedding of either family or friends of Jesus' family. And so we see that both he and his followers, his disciples, were invited to this wedding. And um, Jesus pitches up at the wedding with his disciples. And this is what happens at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. Let's read from verse one. If you could follow along with us, please. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Let me pause. During those times, it was very important to have enough wine for the wedding's duration. And normally, the duration of a wedding could last up to a week. And if the wine ran out, it was a shame on the family. And in some cases, they could be fined financially. And so it was a costly exercise if you ran out of wine. So normally you had the chief or head waiter there had to look after the supply of the wine. A crisis emerged here. There was panic around. And so what happens? Who do they turn to? You're absolutely right. A wise woman turns to her son, and his name is Jesus. And she says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And so what Jesus was saying to his mother, my public ministry hasn't started yet. Don't put me in a difficult situation. Every now and then we are placed in a difficult situation and we see that Jesus is put in a very difficult situation and let's look at how he responds. Now, obviously, Mary was quite a confident lady. And so his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. I love that. Not halfway. To the brim. I just love the spirit. My friends, oh, there's so many places I'm pausing here. But if someone asks you to do something, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Can I hear a strong yes on that? You would see here that they filled it to the brim. He told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water 
that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until last. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, they went to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and they stayed there a few days. As you gather, Jesus had performed no miracles yet up to this point. The third day in the passage of Scripture means that it was three days actually after Nathanael's call to follow Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Jewish tradition required that young girls be married on Wednesdays and widows were married on a Thursday. So it was probably a young girl being married. And normally they were around 15 to 16 years of age. And then what fathers did during this time when they had daughters? Who have daughters here in the church? Okay, so what fathers did who had daughters when they were in the church? The first year that the daughter was, was born, they would have a celebration and they would bring out the wine and they would celebrate. And so if they celebrated on that day, the father would commission those around him to prepare one barrel of wine that they would put in the cellar. And so every single year they repeated this process so that when the time of marriage came, there were between 15 to 16 barrel, barrels of wine and supply that they had for the wedding. Ingenious, isn't it? Now, you can credit me for when your daughters get married and you have an overflow. And so we see here that this is what the culture was, but what actually happened was, I don't know whether the father prepared very, very well for his daughter to get married or whether the people at the wedding were just a little, a little bit thirsty. Maybe they had gotten through corona, you know, um, the places were empty, and so they got together for a real party, and they just had a little bit too much to drink. And so they exposed the host of the wedding, which was embarrassing, and also a huge fine could have been given out. And we see here that Mary... And I think she kept her eyes on things. I think she had a primary part to play. Here's what's going on, and she knows the consequences, and she sees Jesus. She turns to Jesus, and I paraphrase. Jesus, help us, we're in trouble. What can you do? And of course, Jesus looks at her and says, Woman, and that was not disrespect when you look at it in other parts of the scripture when Jesus was on the cross, he used the word woman as well when he referred to his mother. The bottom there, it was, it was in that culture a sign of respect when he said woman. That's how mothers were referred to in some situations as this. And so he says, woman, why are you looking at me? I'm just like anybody else, I guess, but 
Mary knew that Jesus was different. There was something special about the son. Of course she knew it because she carried him for nine months and she knew that he was supernaturally born within her. He was unique. He didn't have a human sinful nature like you and I. He didn't have the Adam lineage within him because the Holy Spirit made her pregnant. And so she knew he was unique. She understood the prophecies concerning Jesus. So she knew that if there was anyone who could help, it was Jesus. This wedding, very quickly, took on a different course when she looked at Jesus. You know, and I love Jesus' mannerism here because when his mother said to him, help, you know, she knew what was going on and she knew that Jesus would honor her wishes in this context and we see that she says to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And I think what she did was she just left and she left Jesus to do what he would do so well. And um, Jesus turned to them and he said, um, get those barrels. And he said, fill them to the brim with water. And as they took the barrels, barrels that was filled to the brim and poured more wine in the glasses of people. I believe that it was water in those barrels and as they started to pour them, it turned into wine. We've got a little bit of poetic license here to play around. And as they turned it, you could imagine this wine in their glasses and the form that they used. And I think that as they turned, poured the wine into the glasses and the people lifted it up, to their mouths to drink, they could smell that rich flavor of the wine. Because remember, in the beginning, they would normally serve the best wine. And then as the wine started getting less and less, it was the, the younger wine that was served. And as people started drinking, they said to the host, my, this is different. You've kept the best wine until last. And of course, people always remember the last things we do, don't they? Not the first things, the last things. And so there was something of an excitement within this place because they were drinking the best wine. And within the Bible, wine is often a symbol of joy and a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence amongst people, and I believe that there, were, there was great celebration as people had some of this wine. But you see, we need to just take a little bit of a step backwards. What happens when Jesus comes to a wedding that he is invited? My friends, I don't believe that anything is ever the same again when Jesus walks into a room, or when Jesus enters a person's life, we're never the same again. Something happens and something changes and something radically changed within that wedding. The Bible did tell us that the disciples believed in him. Now they had seen him call them to follow him, 
But this was the first miracle that they saw him with their own physical eyes and water turn into wine. Just between you and I, I wonder how many times the disciples didn't try and repeat this miracle. Hey, I've tried to do it. Lord, hey, you could do this with all reference. You can, hey, this wine's not very good. Can you turn it into good wine? I think the disciples had a lot of fun. I believe when Jesus was around his disciples, they had a lot of fun. I wonder about the stories that they told after that as they interacted with Jesus. Jesus, what else can you do? (laughs) And we see here that this wedding turned out to be a massive success where there was no shame, there was no fine given, but there was just great celebration around young man and a young lady coming together and it was normally on the Wednesday the virgin girl would get married to her husband they would have been betrothed for about a year year and a half and that betrothment that engagement was binding if you had to break your engagement you had to give a letter of divorce at that time that is how binding it was so when they got to the wedding and also what happened was if the wedding lasted a whole week They could only consummate the marriage. They could only have an intimate relationship between the man and the wife after the wedding. And they would actually take them to an area. The people would stand outside and um, the intimate act um, was given in love. Now, uh, I'm so glad our cultures are different, aren't you? Because I don't think I could have waited a week when I started, when, when Jenny and I got married. And you couldn't either. Don't look at me like that. So they had to wait. They had to wait. And there was great celebration because the stage was set. I believe that Jesus is passionate about marriage. He loves going to weddings. He gives such dignity to marriage. I believe that men ought to treat their wives with such respect and love within a marriage relationship because that's how Jesus would want it. I believe that our wives are our treasured treasure. You've heard me tell the story that I said to Jane's mom when I asked Jenny to marry me and I asked for Jane's mom's permission because her dad had just died just before we got married, and I said to Jane's mom, I, one day, when I go to heaven or when Jenny goes to heaven, I want to present Jenny in a better condition than when I found her, and she was great when I married her, but when she goes to heaven one day, I want her to blossom and just be even more beautiful than the day that I married her. That's the heart of Jesus in marriage. It's beautiful. I love marriage. I love weddings. And Jesus does too. You could see his absolute passion here. But what actually happens when Jesus comes to a wedding? My friends, Mary found him. And he stepped into a space where he was really needed. When Jesus comes to a 
when Jesus comes, my friend, firstly, he comes as a dynamic presence in any circumstance. Jesus is no ordinary presence. He comes as a dynamic presence. And if you could just listen to this scripture in John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51, you'll find out just how the disciples recognized him. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can any good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi or teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. When Jesus comes, people start to recognize him as the son of God. They start to recognize him as God who came in human flesh. They start to recognize him as this dynamic presence that fills a room, that fills our lives, changes and transforms us radically. My friends, when we find Jesus, or when Jesus steps into our lives, he starts to change us and he radically transforms us. Remember last week I said, Jesus doesn't patch us up when he finds us and puts kind of like a, 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 a plaster or um, he patches, he doesn't just patch up an old wineskin. He says, no, he gives us a new wineskin and he puts new wine within us. Because when his presence comes into our lives, the old cannot withstand his glory. He makes us new from the inside. If you are in Christ, Paul says in Corinthians, you are a new creation. New creation, a new wineskin. The old things have passed away. Behold, you have come new. When Jesus comes, a dynamic presence enters our lives and every circumstance. My friend, this is not a normal meeting today like you find in a club. This is a very special meeting because Jesus is in the midst of the people. This is a dynamic situation. That's why anything can happen within this context. People could be healed. People could be delivered from all kinds of sins that has bound them for years. Jesus can do that as you listen to me because he's a dynamic presence amongst us. Don't limit him here. If you have a disease, he can heal your disease because he's a dynamic presence. He's God 
within the midst of the people. If you are overwhelmed by your sin and your regret and your shame, Jesus can step into your life now and he can free you from all of that within a moment. Why? Because he's not ordinary, he's extraordinary. He's the wonderful God. He becomes a dynamic presence in any situation. Let me share a little story with you that happened to us this past week. Someone who's not a part of our church, they're not believers, asked us to do her or play a part in her husband's funeral. And um, funerals here in Switzerland is very different maybe if you are an international. And they couldn't do it within the church that they were going to have it in the main church because they weren't, they weren't paying their tithes to the state. And so they called us. And so we went in and we were prescribed how many minutes we could say this and what we could say, what we couldn't say. And Jenny was going to read the eulogy and I was at the, at the, at the graveside of the funeral and I needed to read some scriptures and pray. And when Jen and I arrived, we understood that this was a situation where God was not at and where God could not be found at within the understanding and the experiences of the people. And we walked in and we sensed that there was stuff going on that sometimes goes on in families. And, um, and as we were there, we could feel just the difficulty of the moment and we could feel the anguish of the people. And um, they did not believe in Jesus, so there was no hope. There was absolutely no joy. There was no celebration. And then when I started talking at the graveside, you know, all that you can do with the time that was allotted to us, I shared scriptures on Jesus. I don't want to do the normal thing. Jesus needs to be shared there. But I did it in a simplistic, quick, very simple way, reading the scriptures. But reading scriptures that exalt the Lord Jesus, especially when it comes to death. And as I read the scriptures, I watched the faces of the people and they really didn't know where to look. And then I prayed. And I prayed for God's blessing upon all of the people there. And my friends, even just the mere mention of the name of Jesus started to spark a little bit of hope within this context. Never underestimate the power of the dynamic presence of Jesus within a situation even if it is but for a short little while. And we were there from half past two and we got home at half past five that day. Afterwards we had coffee with the family and there was a gentleman who was in his early 80s from another country, actually from Denmark, and he just sat there and you could see he was a real thinker and he started to talk to me. And he said, I don't believe in the God that you talked about and the scriptures that you read. But he said, I'm very interested. Isn't that wonderful? 
and I shared with him and he just, we talked about different religions and I shared with him what makes this Jesus different and what makes Christianity different from any other religion and he looked at me, he said, it's very interesting what you are saying. And we had a conversation for about 45 minutes about the dynamic person and presence of Jesus. What happens when Jesus comes? He brings hope and he changes the atmosphere and he changes the hearts of men and women. What happens when Jesus comes? My friends, he becomes such a good listener. You see here that he listened to his mother. And that's why his presence became so dynamic within that wedding. He listened to her her request and he did what she wanted him to do. What happens when Jesus comes? He speaks authoritatively. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. There is something powerful about Jesus when he enters a situation like that. When he speaks authoritatively, his words brings life. Those people experienced real life. We also see that what made his presence so dynamic was that he just didn't keep it to himself. He called the servants and he said, come and help me. He involves us in his mission. Doesn't want to do it by ourselves. He involves you. How about in your workplace? How about on your bike rides? How about with your friends? Just start wisely and carefully, but unashamedly, to talk about Jesus. How about that? It changes the atmosphere. It changes, it brings hope. It will bring joy. This is what he does so well. Wherever, whatever Jesus does, my friends, he does that so Wow. I don't think we had much of an opportunity on Friday when we did that wedding. But I believe the moments that we had, the Holy Spirit took those scriptures, even my introductory words, the tribute that Jeannie read, just her wonderful and beautiful presence there. And God started to work through into the hearts of people. My friends, when he comes, he turns the ordinary into the extraordinary. I remember the weddings that I've done, and I think I must have done two, three, four hundred weddings over the years that I've been a pastor. And I remember at one of the weddings that we did, we, we were 
on the outside gazebo and this young couple in our church wanted to get married. And as they were standing there, I stood and it was a little bit hot outside and the groom stood there, the bride there and, and, and um, his men just around him. And as I was starting to speak, I just started to see the white eyeballs of the groom. And as he stood, the groom just collapsed right in front of everyone. And as he collapsed, I tried to run forward and the best man really became the best man at that wedding. And he grabbed the groom and he held him up. And, and we really needed Jesus to come into that situation. And, 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 and it took about 10 minutes and he regained his consciousness. And of course, the bride was very, very embarrassed first, but then also very scared. And she was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this guy doesn't want to marry me. And, and Jesus just came at that wedding and, and something which was purely natural, God turned it around into an extraordinary event of great Celebration, my friends, when Jesus comes, what oftentimes seems chaos, he'll turn it into something beautiful. So how about when Jesus comes to your celebration? Will you allow him to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary? I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray. What happens when Jesus comes? Open up your heart to him. He will listen to you. And authoritatively, he will do what is needed. What is your need today? You require a miracle. It's the first miracle that he did. He turned water into wine. What do you need Jesus to do within your life? My friends, you may have sorrow in your life today. Jesus can turn it to joy. You may have despair in your heart today. He can turn it into hope. You may have pain within your heart because of what you've gone through. He can heal that pain within your heart. You may be confused. He can give you clarity. As he turned water into wine, he can turn your situation around. Kima, would you guys come? And I would like us to sing to worship Jesus together. And we're gonna trust him this morning that as we worship Jesus together, that that situation within your life, that Jesus can come and he could turn it around and he could do something special. Can I pray for you as the team gets ready. Father, just would you come? And where there is such fear within the hearts of people today, would you come? 
would you turn it into hope, Father? To a sense of belief and faith that people can push through those things which are so difficult for them. Where people here are lost in their sins, Father, would you turn that around? Would you release them from it through Jesus and give them a hope and a future and an eternal destiny? Would you do that? And we would just ask, Lord, that you come in Jesus' name.